Hi, everyone. I'm David Chalian, the CNN political director. This is the CNN political briefing. Here's what you need to know in politics for Thursday, February 25th, 2021. The COVID relief bill is set for its first big vote tomorrow on the House floor, but there are still big questions left unanswered. We'll discuss that. Plus, Congress is at odds over the makeup of a January 6th commission. Is the White House starting to take a side? And finally, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo has hit a very rough patch. The House of Representatives is poised to vote tomorrow on the massive COVID relief bill that the Biden administration is pushing. $1.9 trillion plan that has a ton of money in there for vaccine distribution for local and state governments. Obviously, those individual stimulus checks of $1,400, as well as enhanced unemployment benefits. There's a whole slew of items in this overwhelmingly expensive bill, but a bill that the Biden White House believes is necessary, necessary to tackle this COVID crisis and to take the economic downturn that we've been experiencing in the aftermath of the COVID crisis and take this economic collapse that has occurred because of COVID and get the economy turned around and really starting to hum again. This will be the first big legislative test of the Biden presidency, and Republican leaders in both the House and the Senate are whipping votes to ensure there are no defections. Kevin McCarthy, Mitch McConnell, and their whip teams are now committed to making the Democrats pass this bill with zero help from Republicans. Now, here's a potential political problem for Republicans. The bill is quite popular in all the polling that's out there, both in sort of the totality of the bill, but also in its component parts. So there's a potential political risk for some Republicans in competitive districts or in competitive states voting against this badly needed aid. That's one potential problem for them. The other potential problem that this bill represents as it now is likely, if it does get passed, to be just on Democratic votes is a problem for the Biden team and for Democrats. Will this set the stage, a purely partisan vote, for the remainder of the Biden term? If there can't be any kind of bipartisanship around such a big spending package and one that is broadly popular with the American people, is there real hope for other big ticket legislative items that the Biden team wants to push on Capitol Hill in a bipartisan fashion? I think that that is a big unanswered question, not one that we can answer right now, but I do think this vote puts that question squarely in front of the Biden White House. Meanwhile, we are awaiting the decision from the Senate parliamentarian today as to whether or not that increase in the federal minimum wage to $15 per hour is allowed to be included inside this COVID relief bill according to those reconciliation rules that Democrats are using to get the bill passed through the upper chamber. You may recall, President Biden has already predicted that he doesn't think the parliamentarian is going to allow the minimum wage hike to be a part of this bill. The bigger political headache will come for him if indeed the parliamentarian does allow the wage hike to be part of this bill, because at that point, the Biden White House is going to have to deal with the fact that two moderate Democrats, Joe Manchin of West Virginia, Kirsten Sinema of Arizona, are already on the record saying they do not support a COVID relief package with a minimum wage increase to $15 an hour. So then the real wrangling will have to begin in order to get the bill passed without losing either one of those Democratic votes. Now, here's what else matters today. 
Earlier this month, Speaker Nancy Pelosi announced plans for the creation of a 9-11-type commission to, quote, investigate and report on the facts and causes relating to the January 6th domestic terrorist attack on the United States Capitol. But now the very creation of this commission has become a total political football. And this may actually perfectly explain why getting to the full truth and a shared accounting of that truth of what occurred on January 6th will prove very hard to do. It's because the event itself is so wrapped in our polarized politics. Unlike 9-11, when the United States was attacked from an outside actor and therefore a unified American response could be had to what occurred there, this is actually a divisive event in and of itself, even though it too was an attack on the very core of American democracy. And by the way, it's not just Republicans versus Democrats. Chris Coons, the Democratic senator from Delaware, who basically is the mouthpiece for the Biden administration on Capitol Hill, he's very close with Joe Biden. And usually when he's speaking, you know it's coming from some informed conversations with the White House. He went against where Pelosi was on this this morning on CNN's New Day with John Berman. He made clear this commission should be equally divided, 50 percent Republicans, 50 percent Democrats. Well, John, the leaders of the 9-11 Commission have said that part of why it was so successful was that it was even, it was balanced, uh, and it was led by folks who were well-respected and well-regarded, who had a reputation for working across the aisle. I think it's important that we have a balanced uh, January 6th Commission, a commission that looks into um, all the events that led up to the riot at the Capitol and this baseless theory uh, that Trump won the election. So you think the commission should be 50-50? Yes. The number two Democratic senator, Dick Durbin, he also has made clear it should be evenly divided. Now, Nancy Pelosi was asked about this today at her press briefing, and she said she's more concerned about the scope of the investigation. She took on Mitch McConnell, the minority leader in the Senate, for suggesting that all kinds of political violence, not just the events of January 6th, uh, should be looked at so that Republicans could inject sort of looking at the riots that occurred in Portland or elsewhere last summer as a part of this notion of political violence. She doesn't want to deal on the partisan makeup of the commission until she gets an agreement that the scope should really be focused on the January 6th attacks. But now we're going to wait to see how this sort of political football gets tossed back and forth. And if indeed America is going to get a true, honest, bipartisan, factual report on what occurred so that it can never happen again. And finally today, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo. Wow, he's having a real rough go of it lately. The governor, you recall, was once flying high in his approval ratings in the way that he initially was responding to the COVID crisis. Well, now Cuomo has hit some serious political turbulence during his third term as governor of New York. Currently, he's denying allegations of sexual harassment by a former aide at a state agency. He is still fending off the controversy surrounding his publicly reporting the data of nursing home deaths in New York during the height of the COVID crisis in that state. Democratic assemblymen claims that he tried to sort of strong arm him and threatened to destroy his career if he didn't back off of the pressure that Assemblyman was applying on the reporting of that nursing home data. Democrats in the state legislature, his own party, are coming out almost daily now in favor of stripping him of his emergency powers and calling the most recent harassment allegations really troubling. So that's from inside his own Democratic Party. Third terms are always tricky 
for long-serving New York politicians. Just look at the history of Cuomo's own father, Mario Cuomo, or Ed Koch, the longtime mayor of New York City. How Andrew Cuomo responds to this moment and if he can navigate these troubled waters politically to a successful second half of his third term will really do a lot to dictate what his political future is. That's it for today's political briefing. Thanks so much for listening. And please take a moment and be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. Backed by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com briefing, netsuite.com briefing.